Well, hello, oddballs. It's your host, Bobby. And your co-host, Lexi. And this is Oddities Oddities on Elm Street. Welcome back for episode 45. Cinco. I want to apologize again for the delayed episode last meep, week. Meep. If you didn't hear it, because, you know, it was posted late, uh, we did another Listener Tales episode. It was good. It was a good one. Mm-hmm. You guys really outdid yourselves with those stories, and we had a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. So go check Reunited. that out. Yes, it was great. And it feels so, so good. good. Um, we do have a new patron Ooh. to shout out, and it's not the same anonymous mm. person as last week. This is a new one. So what? I want to say a big thank you to Brittany. Brittany, welcome. Um, she is so very kind. We messaged back and forth a little bit, and she just seems really cool. So thank you for your support. Thank you for being our patron, Brittany. And if you want to become a patron, you can do so at patreon.com slash oddities on Elm Street. Patreon.com <laughs> slash oddities on Elm Street. Uh, all right. So for our episode today, we're going to talk about the Stainer Brothers. Um, it's, a, it's a wild one. You got to buckle in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did it surprise you? When you were looking into it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I Um, mean, the first part was just like, oh. And then I got to the second part and I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Tends to do that. Mm -hmm. So, the Stainer brothers, they're literally like exact opposites, but in the worst way humanly possible. Mm -hmm. So, we first will talk about who the Stainer brothers are. Then we'll get more into... The whole situation. The tea, mm-hmm. you may say. So, brothers Carrie and Stephen Stainer were born to parents Delbert Foy and Kay Stainer in Merced, California. It's a very unique Delbert? name. Delbert? I've never heard of anyone named Delbert. <sighs> Anyways, Carrie was born on August 13th, 1961, and Stephen was born on April 18th, 1965. So, the two of them were about four years apart. The brothers also had three sisters, but we're really only going to be talking about Carrie and Stephen. Yeah. And it's not matter. because I don't like them. It's just because... They, they don't matter to the story. They're irrelevant to the story. Yeah. That's what it is. So, their early life seems to be quite normal from all the information that we do have mm-hmm. until Stephen was seven, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Carrie, though, um, he was diagnosed with... I know I'm going to say this wrong... But it's called trichotillomania. The hair pulling? Yes. Yes. Compulsive hair pulling. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he was actually diagnosed with that at the age of three. And because of that, growing up, he, you know, suffered from bald spots. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that led to him being bullied pretty badly by his classmates. So he was known to, like, always be wearing a baseball cap. But besides that, up until Stephen was seven and Carrie was 11, things in their childhood were quite normal. This all changed in an instant when on the afternoon of December 4th, 1972, Stephen was approached by a man on his way home from school. Um, 
the man okay i saw mixed reports about what his name was i saw that his first name was irvin mm-hmm. i said like irvin edward murphy but then i saw that it was edward irvin murphy so we're just gonna call murphy? him yeah murph we're gonna call him irvin <laughs> because i feel like that's unique <laughs> enough to remember kind of like Sounds delbert good. you know <laughs> So, this man, Irvin, he was passing out pamphlets containing the gospel, and after seeing Stephen, this dude told him, like, I'm a church representative, and I'm seeking donations for my parish. And he asked Stephen if his mom would be willing to make a donation. And Stephen, I mean, he's seven years old. I don't know. Um, he's like, yeah, she probably would. Oh. So, Irvin then asks Stephen where he lives and if he'd be willing to take him to his home. Mm-hmm. And Stephen agreed. Mm-hmm. After their exchange, a white Buick pulled up. The car was being driven by a man named Kenneth Parnell. Stephen willingly got into the car under the impression that he was bringing these men to his home to collect items to donate to the church. Mm-hmm. But he had actually just climbed into the car of a convicted child rapist. Kenneth Parnell, who at the time of Stephen's abduction was 41 years old, had already served four years in prison for the rape of a young boy back in 1951. Um, During his trial, he was also convicted of impersonating a police officer because he had lured this boy using a sheriff's badge that he bought at, like, an army oh surplus gosh. store. Um, and he, he like, actually escaped the jail that he was being kept at. Uh, um, he was eventually recaptured, thankfully. This man, Kenneth Parnell, was just plain evil. <sighs> when I saw this, I wanted to throw up in my mouth. He gave an interview in the year 2000 about his crimes mm-hmm. that he committed back in 1951. He said that he had kidnapped and sexually assaulted this boy Mm -hmm. because his wife was pregnant so he (sighs) quote had to find another outlet end quote literally just scum of the earth human being not even a human being oh my god yeah so kenneth in 1949 at the age of 18 he married a 15 year old and had a daughter by her two years later. Hmm. That was the woman he talked about in that inter- interview. She was pregnant at the time that he committed that assault. Wait, how old was he? He was 18, and he married a 15-year-old. Um, they divorced in 1957. When I saw that, my question was, did this woman stay with him after finding out that he had raped a little boy? Mm-hmm. Because that happened in 51. She didn't divorce him until six years later. But, like, I don't know. I don't know where the dates land, you know. Holy shit. Um, yeah. yeah. Wow. The timeline on that wasn't super obvious. So, yeah, they divorced in 1957. He remarried later that year and had another daughter. They ultimately divorced after he was imprisoned again, but this time for an armed robbery case in Utah. Irvin Murphy and Kenneth Parnell knew each other through work. Mm. They both worked at Yosemite National Park. 
Mm. And it's very important for you to remember that detail mm -hmm. for later on. Mm -hmm. Kenneth worked at the Yosemite Lodge as a hotel clerk. So he was responsible for checking people in and out of the lodge or mm -hmm. motel area. And Irvin was a janitor. Irvin was described as being simple-minded and naive. Mm. Kenneth had convinced him that they had to fulfill this mission he told Irvin that, like, he was an aspiring minister who needed to find a young boy that he planned to raise in a religious setting. That was the reason he needed young boys, right? How old is Irvin? <sighs> so, at the time of Stephen's abduction, mm -hmm. he would have been 31. Okay. And Kenneth was 41. So, yeah, definitely still an adult and should know better. Um. But yeah, he, he was able to persuade Irvin to help him with this plan, one that included kidnapping and child rape. So after seven-year-old Stephen got in to, um, has gotten into Kenneth Parnell's car, mm -hmm. he, you know, quickly realizes that he's not being driven home. And shortly after taking off, Kenneth stops to make a call from a payphone. When he returned to his car, he told Stephen that he had called his parents and they said that they didn't want him anymore. Um, Stephen was then taken to a remote cabin near Kathy's Valley in California where the sexual abuse started almost immediately. Kenneth would go on to raise Stephen and in some sick and twisted way would become his father figure. He would also continue to convince Stephen that his parents didn't want him because he was a financial burden. And eventually, Stephen began to believe that his parents really didn't want him. Mm -hmm. Kenneth had told him that they had, like, relinquished their parental rights and had granted Kenneth full custody of him. And Stephen believed that to be true. Stephen was reported missing after his parents noticed that he never returned home from school, and police immediately launched an extensive search for him. But unfortunately, there was just nothing for them to find. There were no eyewitnesses, no evidence left behind. And from their perspective, it appeared as if Stephen had just vanished. Although Kenneth treated Stephen like a son, the sexual abuse never stopped. Um, I found this quote from a former reporter named Ted Rowlands, and I think it's, it says it best. He says, quote, Stainer had a new father figure, who by day was his father and by night was his rapist. After he finally felt that he had made Stephen's mind up about his parents giving him away, mm -hmm. Kenneth changed Stephen's name. His new identity was now Dennis Parnell, and he even enrolled him in school under this new name. Isn't that crazy? It's so crazy. It is so crazy. Like, what happened back then? You just show up and be like, yeah, this is the kid. This is his name. Right. He like, belongs to me. Yeah, you don't need any documentation. Right. It's, it's so, so insane because we've heard this before. Yeah. Like, we heard this when we talked about um, Miche Solomon. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. and mm -hmm. just, it's just insane. It's like, sometimes I feel like it can be annoying having to bring a bunch of documents, but... I, uh, There's a reason. I do understand yeah. why. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, over the years of his captivity, 
Kenneth had numerous jobs. He moved often, and he took Stephen with him every time. Stephen was subjected not only to sexual abuse, but severe beatings. But I then, didn't know that. Yeah, and it made he made it a very confusing situation because he would beat him and then, like, spoil him with things and affection and, like, you know, how a father should actually treat their son, except he's just a fucking sicko. So, wow. very wow. confusing situation for a kid, I'm sure. I can't imagine. Yeah. So... It's now been seven years. Stephen is around 14 years old. And as he begins to hit puberty, Kenneth loses interest in him. Just <laughs> absolutely disgusting. So to solve this, Kenneth decides that it's time to kidnap another young boy. He told Stephen that the purpose of doing this was to quote unquote, build his family he had actually attempted to kidnap a boy with the help of his girlfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. um, it just didn't go as planned. And he would often try to like enlist Steven to help him lure children. But like it failed every single time, which Steven later admitted that he was purposely sabotaging those attempted kidnappings because he didn't want these children to face the same fate. Wow. That's yeah. noble of him as a... As a child, yeah. too. That's... Ugh. It's just so... I want this so badly to just be a happy story with mm -hmm. a happy ending. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, and, and he would do that knowing what was coming next because when he failed, he would be subjected again to severe beatings <sighs> for being incompetent as oh, kenneth called him oh my gosh so in february of 1980 though kenneth was finally successful because stephen just simply wasn't helping fulfill kenneth's sick fantasies mm -hmm. he found someone who would another teenage boy named randall sean poorman i'll be calling him sean because that's what he went by mm-hmm and Sean was actually one of Stephen's friends. Kenneth had convinced him to become his accomplice by promising him drugs and money. Sean helped Kenneth kidnap a five-year-old boy named Timothy White. Timothy was playing outside of his home in Ukiah, I think is how you say it. Mm -hmm. Ukiah, California, when Sean had ushered him into Kenneth's car. When Timothy started to fight back... Sean pushed him up against a chain-link fence and dragged him, kicking and screaming, into the car. Oh my god. Yeah. And remember, this is a five-year-old. <sighs> um, Kenneth, just like he had done with Stephen, very quickly began grooming him, giving him the new name of Tommy. He had also dyed his blonde hair dark brown and began to pass him off as his younger son and as Stephen's little brother. <sighs> Wow. I wonder how many people encountered them and just thought it's just a normal family. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like how many people did they come across that had no idea that anything was wrong? It would have to be so many. Cause, I mean, yeah. How know, do you get away with it for that long? I, Seven years? 
It's insane. It's ballsy. That is for sure. <sighs> yeah. So during their time together, Stephen and Timothy grew very close. Stephen kind of felt the need to protect him mm -hmm. and take care of him and really take on that big brother role. Mm -hmm. And he was determined to make sure that Timothy did not suffer the way that he had for seven years. Wow. So Stephen began to plan their escape. On March 1st, 1980, just over two weeks into Timothy White's captivity, Stephen waited until Kenneth went in for his night shift at work, and then, carrying the five-year-old on his back, hitchhiked more than 40 miles to reach Ukiah, where oh. Timothy was taken from his yard. But because he was so young, Timothy couldn't remember his address. He could, however, remember his babysitter's address, so they actually went there, but when they arrived at the babysitter's house, there was no one home. Oh, so Stephen, forty miles, forty miles. Yes, yes. At night, in the middle a, of the night, with five a five-year-old on your back. Yeah, they they hitchhiked though, so they got a ride oh, from someone. Also but really how scary? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. How scary that you've just been abducted. By someone in by a car. By a stranger in a car. Right. And, and you haven't seen your family in seven years, and then you have to put your trust in another right. stranger. Um, and he's he's such a smart kid, too. Like, he's completely unfamiliar with this area. He wasn't from this area. So mm -hmm. he goes to a phone, a phone booth and finds the address of the police station. Mm -hmm. And they go there instead. So once they arrived outside of the police station, Stephen told Timothy to go inside alone and tell the officers that he had been kidnapped. I don't really know what what Stephen had planned for yeah. himself, but Timothy went up, he reached the door, but then he got scared and he ran back to Stephen and just refused to leave his side. <laughs> officers inside the police station notice this and they go outside and bring the boys in, making sure that they don't let them leave. Stephen would kind of struggle to recall everything that had happened over mm -hmm. the last seven years, but he did manage to tell police, I know my first name is Stephen. And that's when police would learn Stephen and Timothy's real identities. Because remember, they've been renamed mm -hmm. and... Mm -hmm. Stephen especially has been convinced for the last seven years that his parents didn't want him and he's a new person now. He's right. taking on a new name with a new father, new school, everything. Right. So, and you're seven years old. Like, you just accept that that's yeah. your new normal, you right. know? Especially. What else can you do? Right. Like, growing up in the family that he was, that was like a church-going family. Yeah. You know, these church people come and you're gonna trust them. You're gonna them. trust them. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, thankfully, both of the boys were finally reunited with their families. Kenneth Parnell was ultimately convicted of kidnapping and conspiracy to steal a child, but not the sexual abuse. Um, and I believe that has to do with, what do they call that? Statute of limitations. <sighs> I was gonna say it, but yeah. I was like, I don't know, that was stupid. 
Yeah, no, I think I think that has to do with like statute of limitations types of laws. I don't know. Um, so a now six-year-old Timothy White takes the stand during Kenneth's trial and <gasps> very bravely testifies against him. Six years old. Six years old. To... Yes. Wow. I know. <sighs> Kenneth was sentenced to a total of twenty-five years in prison. Um, he did die while he was incarcerated in 2008. Thank God. At the age of 76. Only 25 years? Only 25 years, but he would end up back in prison. And I'll talk about that in a minute. So Kenneth's first accomplice, Irvin, was sentenced to five years, but paroled after two. That makes me believe that he didn't know the full extent about the abuse and stuff. Mm -hmm. But maybe just got time for the kidnapping, for assisting in a kidnapping. Right. Um, and then the teenage boy that helped abduct Timothy White, uh, Sean Poorman, oh. he was sentenced to a term in a juvenile work camp. Huh. So, Kenneth, um, he was released after serving his time for the abductions of Stephen and Timothy. But he was rearrested in 2003. <sighs> this just... Ugh. He um he tried to he's very sick at this point in time, okay? He has like diabetes and um emphysema, okay? Okay. So he is being kept in um what do they call that? Like a care facility. Mm -hmm. 24 hours, mm -hmm. you have a a staff that takes care of you. He tried to coerce his caregiver's sister into buying him a four-year-old boy for five hundred dollars. He's he's seventy-one years old. Okay, say that to me again. He tried to he tried to coerce his caregiver's sister into buying him a four-year-old boy for five hundred dollars at the age of seventy-one. Oh my god. Huh. So yeah, he's in a nursing home. He's dying you know but he's got that five hundred dollars uh, like and like the fucking nerve to try to just like you don't know him and you're gonna I, and, and thankfully yeah thank god thankfully but, she actually cooperated with police to set up a sting against good. him good and that would obviously guarantee him more time in prison right. until his death in 2008 that is just that is bonkers. He, like, yeah. what kind of mental state do you have to be in to think that that's like a good plan in any sort of way? I don't. I don't even know. Like, I it it's impossible for me to even try to begin to understand what goes through these types of people's head. It just makes no sense. Wow. Um. So the story, though, it doesn't end there. In fact, it's only. About halfway, halfway over. Halfway <laughs> smokes. And I don't know if you knew this, but Stephen actually died tragically. I did. In 1989. Yes, because he was driving home from Pizza Hut after a shift mm -hmm. in the rain yeah, without I, a helmet. I want to say he was 24. I don't know how old he was. Yeah, so... They had, like, created a mini-series. I don't know who was responsible for producing it, but mm -hmm. a mini-series was created called I Know That My First Name Is Steven. That's what he told police, right? Mm 
he was paid like $30,000 for signing over his rights to Interesting. use that to use his story. Hmm. So he took that money and bought himself like a motorbike, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. It's a 1989 Kawasaki. <laughs> I don't know if that's a dirt bike or like a motorbike. I don't know. So he's riding home, like you said, he's riding home from a shift at Pizza Hut where he worked on September 16th, 1989. A car actually crashed into him and then fled. And Stephen was left dead from head wounds. Because he wasn't wearing a helmet. Correct. Yeah. That's that's terrible. Yeah. And more than 450 people attended his funeral. And Timothy, who is now 14 years old. was a... Was a pallbearer, mm. like the people who carry yeah. the casket. <sighs> wow, that's. It's like I want to say it's heartwarming, but it's all it's so it's terrible. So sad yeah. though. Like that's what I mean. Is I wish this was like a happy ending, right. but it just gets worse from here. Right. Um, Stephen was married and he had two children, so he left his family behind. Well, and I don't know if you knew this either, but Timothy. Also died pretty prematurely. I did not. Yeah, he was only 35. What happened? His father said that it was a pulmonary embolism. Oh. Yeah. He had actually went on to become a sheriff's deputy in Los Angeles uh, County. Yeah. And he also had a wife and two children when he passed. Very strange how their lives are intertwined in that way. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine like picturing what that relationship would look like, you know, yeah. af- after being reunited with your families, but you have like, like ultimate trauma bond. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kept thinking about that while I was researching this case, just trying to imagine like, yeah, I don't even know. That's got to be an intense relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, when Stephen came home, the spotlight was on him constantly. Mm -hmm. During the seven years that he was missing, his parents admitted that they kind of neglected their other children while they searched for their missing son. Mm -hmm. A typical thing to happen. Yes, of course. Very typical. So... Stevens and I'm not putting blame on them at all because no, this is not their fault. It's horrible. So Stephen's brother Carrie kind of always felt like he was living in the background, like he was just a character in her, in his brother's story. Right. And following his brother's death, Carrie would go on to work at mm. none other <clears throat> than Yosemite National Park, the same place Thank that his God. brother's abductor worked all of those years before. Circle back yet again. Yeah. It's so, that's what I, like, it's, it's so weird. Everything comes full circle, yeah, but in, in a terrible way. Ways, right. Yeah. So, Carrie was a handyman there, and his coworkers kind of described him as someone that was impulsive. He had a history of violent fits of rage. On March 18th, 1999, mm-hmm. 42-year-old Carol Sund and a 16-year-old ex- exchange student from Argentina named Silvina Peloso were found in the trunk of Carol's rental car. The car had been set on fire, and their bodies were burned beyond recognition. Oh, my God. 
They could only be identified using dental records. Um, Carol was strangled with a rope and shot, and Sylvina was raped and shot to death. A week later, police received a hand-drawn map indicating that there was a third victim. At the top of the map was a note that read, quote, We had fun with this one. Oh my god. End quote. Following that map, police find the body of Carol's 15-year-old daughter, Juliana Sund, next to a lake about 30 miles away from where her mother's body was found. Wow. Juliana had also been raped, and her throat was cut. So police begin interviewing the employees of the Cedar Lodge Motel, where Mm -hmm. the three victims had been staying prior to their deaths. One of those employees was Carrie Steiner. Right. At the time, police didn't consider him a suspect at all. Because of his brother. Right. And he had a clean record. He was, when they brought him in for an interview, he was incredibly calm. Like, there was nothing, no red flags whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So then... July 22nd, 1999, a decapitated body of a woman named Joey Armstrong was found. Joey was a 26-year-old naturalist for the Yosemite Institute. After her body was found, eyewitnesses said that they saw a blue 1972 International Scout parked outside of the cabin she was staying at. That vehicle was traced to Carrie. Police located him. Um, He was staying at a nudist resort. He was arrested and taken in for questioning and completely shocked detectives when he confessed not only to Joey's murder, but to the murders of Carol and Julie Sund and Sylvina Peloso as well. Wow. He just barfed it up. Yeah. He just gave himself up. His vehicle provided the evidence they needed to link him to Joey's murder, Mm -hmm. and he was arrested. So following his arrest, he gave police the following account of what happened. And this is back on the evening of February 15th, 1999. I guess he had actually planned to kill his girlfriend and daughter on Valentine's Day. Yeah. It didn't go according to plan because they had an unexpected visitor. (sighs) So that kind of forced him to you know, change those plans. So then on the 15th, he had, and remember, he's, um, he does maintenance. Mm-hmm. He entered the room where Carol's son, her daughter, Julie, and Sylvina were staying. Um, he told them that he needed to fix a water leak. He then strangled Carol, raped both of the teenage girls, Then he took Carol's wallet and dropped it off in the middle of the street miles away, hoping that it would throw police off. How? um, uh, I don't know. Again, I can't even try to uh, get into these people's minds. So it wasn't until March 18th. Remember, they're killed the day after Valentine's Day. mm -hmm. March 18th, when a a man found Carol's rental car in a secluded area. The next day, officers open the trunk of the car, and that's when they find Carol and Sylvina's bodies. Carol's daughter, Julie, wasn't found until March 25th, after police had received that map with the note that Carrie had sent to them. Wow. 
Carrie also claimed responsibility for other homicides and disappearances in addition to his four known victims. And there are like other cases that police believe may be linked to him as well. So there is a 28-year-old woman named Patricia Hicks Dahlstrom. Uh, She had relocated to Merced from Washington State and her family lost contact with her. She had actually joined a cult and the cult leader was arrested on multiple counts of sexual assault. So Patricia left the cult after that. That's good. And was last seen by her roommate taking a public bus to Yosemite. A severed arm and a hand were recovered from the park a year later. A few years after those remains were found, a skull was found around that same area. Mm. And it was revealed through DNA that those remains belonged to Patricia. Patricia was known to be an acquaintance of Carrie Stainer, so police therefore believe that he may be responsible for her murder. Mm -hmm. Um, The day after Christmas in 1990, Carrie's uncle, who he lived with, was shot to death in his house with his own shotgun. Is it the one that molested him? That's, yes, that's what he's claimed. Yeah. Yeah. So the murder was never solved, but Carrie later claimed that, yeah, his uncle had been molesting him. Around the same time that his brother, Stephen, had been kidnapped. I mean, he, uh, like, it it sucks because I feel bad for the child. Yeah. Not the adult. But, you know, trichotillomania, like, that's got to be a hard, hard thing to deal with. Mm -hmm. And then putting everything else on top of that. Yeah. And I I don't know. I mean. He, He did claim, though. Like, later on, when he was asked about this, he did claim that his brother's disappearance and all of that had nothing to do with the way he was. He actually said that he was having fantasies about rape and things like that as early as the age of seven, which was years before Stephen was abducted. Yeah. Then it's like, I don't know. My mind just goes to nature versus nurture. I don't know. Cause I, I I hear that and trichotillomania can it's like a stem off of OCD, mm-hmm. and it just sounds like he has a lot of mental yeah. illness. Yeah, and he probably never got any sort of help that he needed, right. and it just probably just snowballed. Yeah. Over the years. Yeah. And he he was aware of that, too, because he did try to um, get an insanity plea. Interesting. So. It's just sad. Well, it is sad. sad. And like you said, you can feel bad for the child, mm-hmm. but. You, you have to, at some point in your life, like, take responsibility for. Exactly. Who you are and your yeah. actions that, you know. Right. Um, so then we have October 1994, there were some severed human hands found. Hmm. And then a couple months later, there was a torso found with no hands. It was a headless torso with no hands. Um, arms? They had arms, but no hands. Okay. So those severed hands were found in October and were matched to the torso. Hmm. DNA 
belonged to a 24-year-old named Cheryl Lynn Murphy. Not related at all to Irvin Murphy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So her head has actually never been found. But police think that Carrie may have murdered her due just simply due to similarities between her murder and the murder of Joey Armstrong. But that's the only connection that they have. There's also a 34-year-old woman named Denise Smith. Her decomposed body was found in a 50-gallon bucket off from a road near a reservoir. And then there's a 20-year-old man named Michael Madden. He had planned to meet his friends at a campground, but the day he left his family's home around 5 a.m., he never arrived, and he was never seen again. Mm-hmm. So, authorities have considered that Denise and Michael may have also fallen victim to Carrie Stainer, but of course they could only try him for what they were able to right. positively link to him, which were the murders of Joey Armstrong, Sylvina Peloso, Carol Sund, and Julie Sund. Carrie was tried in federal court for Joey's murder since it occurred on federal land. Mm-hmm. And in order to uh, avoid a possible death penalty or death sentence, he pleaded guilty to premeditated first-degree murder, mm-hmm. felony first-degree murder, kidnapping resulting in death, and attempted aggravated sexual abuse resulting in death. During the hearing... For Joey's case, mm-hmm. Carrie shocked everyone in the courtroom because he just suddenly broke down in tears and began apologizing. He said, quote, I wish I could take it back, but I can't. I wish I could tell you why I did such a thing, but I don't even know myself. I'm so sorry. I wish there was a reason, but there isn't. It's senseless. That's terrifying. It is. And... Joey's mom, who was in the courtroom listening to this, said that she she was very, like, moved by his apology and felt that it was genuine. Wow. But you're right. It is terrifying to think that even the killer himself is admitting that there was no reason why. for this yeah, and it was senseless. It's just... But they did it. But they did it anyway. Right. So, like... No one, you know, people don't have to have a reason to do no. terrible things. No. Sometimes they just, they just need the do opportunity. Them. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. And that's just. Mm. Yeah. So for Joey's murder, he was sentenced to life in prison without parole. And then in state court, he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. Mm. But he also admitted that, like, he had intended to murder uh, two Finnish girls. Right. But I guess the, their advisor arrived, and so he fled the scene without doing anything. Mm-hmm. Premeditated. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, that and insanity do not right, go right. hand in hand. Yeah. They they did not. No. Nope. They did not give him Mm-mm. that insanity plea. But um, I also saw that he requested child pornography in exchange for a confession. Oh, my God. I When I heard that, I was... But- the audacity you're gonna ask the 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 police police. when i saw that i wanted to and the people in the stories like to be so sick like that 
yeah. with a 71-year-old mm-hmm. wanting to buy, what, a four-year-old? A four-year-old, yeah. Not only that, but, like, the fact that his girlfriend was willing to help him, it reminds me of, um, what is that called? The island that we talked about? North Fox Island? Uh-huh. Like, there's so many people that have to be involved in order right. for you to be able to do make it that all right and get away with it right. for decades. And it's horrifying. To, it is. Right. Because right. these are seemingly normal people that have jobs and right and have friends teenager. and family and right yeah and a teenager that is willing to do that just for a little bit of weed and some money right like are you fucking serious it's it's horrible and it makes me sick to think that people will take advantage mm-hmm. of like the trust that we generally give women yeah yeah and like for it's like betrayal for it is. like a woman to do that. Yeah. It's just a different type of evil. So Carrie was you know, like I said earlier, Carrie was found sane. Mm-hmm. He was convicted of three counts of first degree murder, mm-hmm. one count of kidnapping. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that probably has to do with Julie. Um, he was sentenced to death. He was, I mean, he's technically still on death row in, uh, San Quentin State Prison. Mm-hmm. Um, since 2002, so it's been over 20 years now, but the state of California stopped the death penalty, the death penalty right. back in, like, 2006. So he's still, like, considered... So he's, yeah, he's still he's considered not. on death row... But he's not but no going to, yeah, he's not going to be put to death, essentially. Unless, for some reason, those laws change. Right. So. I hope he gets his ass whooped every day. I'm sure he does. Good. He's 62 now. So, yeah, he's just living his life. 62 years old, living his life in prison. I know that some people on death row are given, like, cats. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And I really hope that he doesn't... Get a fucking cat? Yeah, you don't deserve Doesn't deserve it. a cat. Mm-mm. Absolutely That's, not. That surprises me, that they would do that for inmates on death row, and not inmates that they have hope of rehabilitation. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense, does yeah, it? It doesn't. Just like the rest it's, of our fucking yeah. justice well, system. Yeah. But it's like you carry. You don't I even deserve companionship. Right. Ugh. I uh, hate oh. him. We hate him. <laughs> Go die. No. Suffer. Suffer. I know. That's that's always like an interesting argument mm-hmm. for the death penalty. I know. And I go back and forth. I don't yeah. know how I feel about it. I don't know. I think that usually I lean towards no death penalty. Yes, and Correct. you fucking rot. You live with what you did for the you, rest of your life. You rot mm-hmm. and suffer and live a horrible rest of your life. You don't get to just, like, peace out. Yeah. I agree, especially now that they have, like, um, they just do, like, the lethal yeah. injection it's, shit. It's, it's so way easy. too humane for people who do 
horrible, yeah, like violent. I agree. Crude things. Yeah, like where was that humanity when they had their victims right at at their fingertips? Like, right? <sighs> they do not deserve that. No, they deserve no mercy. No mercy. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's our story for today. That's Stephen and Carrie Stainer. It's like I said, complete opposites, but in the worst way possible. And it it's crazy because it's like Stephen saved lives. He did not just Timothy's life, but other children too, because he admitted that he was purposely sabotaging Mm -hmm. these kidnapping Mm -hmm. attempts. So he, and at such a young age, that blows That's my mind right. to have such selflessness. Yes. He And the saves, awareness, even. Yeah. Yeah. And his brother, Carrie, on the other hand, is just, like, taking lives. And it's so upsetting because for all of the the pain and suffering that Stephen had to endure and to still come out as a hero and someone that deserved to live and then to have your life end so tragically at such a young age like that. And then you have your brother who is still alive, 62 62. years old, has lived a full life. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's so unfair. Is. And there's nothing that we can do about it, but like, I know. Damn, does that freaking grind my gears? Just very unfair. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I got. That's all I got for you today. It's a mind twist. Mm. The sure story. is. Yep. Uh, <sighs> it's like, how do you even end these things? Well. We're done. I don't know. Peace out. <laughs> We're done. Peace and blessings. Peace and blessings, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, no. But yeah, that's that's the that case that it. we talked about today. I hope you guys liked our episode. Yeah. If you did, let us know. Um, Got any listener tales? Mm-hmm. Send them in, too. Yes. Listenertales at gmail.com. Listenertales at gmail.com. I've gotten I've gotten a few actually since I our love episode, it. and I'm very excited to read them. I so. freaking love listener tales. Me too. It's a it's a jolly time. It is because I'm like I feel like special. I know these yes, people. Like yes. I'm a part of their life. Yes. Like, like they're just my friends telling me, you know, just stories about the stories. their lives. Yeah, yeah, which is so cool. I think so too. So you you can't just like search in Spotify. You're right. Like They're unique. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Can't find these bitches on Reddit. Maybe some, but still, well, it's yeah. it's different. Well, I hope you all have a lovely week. It's almost Halloween. <laughs> just a couple more weeks. <sighs> um. Anyways. Mm-hmm. So. Just remember to always Always keep keep it spooky. spooky.